it's time for this. It's times like these. Listen in Fridays to the new feature Times Like This on Aro City Radio in partnership with Luxembourg Times. Dawei, Editor-in-Chief at Luxembourg Times, joins me to go through all the big stories in the local news. Uh, one of the ones that caught many people's eye recently was uh, the story that house prices in Luxembourg have skyrocketed. And an interesting twist on that is that house prices outside the capital have actually outpaced uh, those in the city centre for the first time. Yes, that's right. Uh, the fact that house prices are uh, skyrocketing uh, shouldn't surprise anyone because they have been uh, doing and I'm sure will continue to do for quite some time in, uh, in Luxembourg. Uh, last year, house prices were up 14.5% over the year uh, across the country. Uh, and in the first quarter of this year, um, they were up 11.5% in the in the center of the country, mm-hmm. uh, which was in line with sort of the, the same growth rate as a year ago. Um, but the interesting thing was, as you say, that in the uh, more rural areas of the country or other outside Luxembourg City, uh, House prices rose faster. Uh, in the east, they went. Uh, they, 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 uh, the increase was the highest at 13.5 percent, and the uh, real estate agency that uh, released these numbers thinks that has to do with working from home because people uh, are, st- are spending more time at home and they think like, well, you know what? Maybe I don't need to live in the city. Mm-hmm. I don't need to go to the office so often anymore. I can just, you know. Uh, I can uh, I can work from my home office here in uh, a little bit further away from the city, and uh, that that appears to be uh, spreading the the increase in house prices somewhat throughout the country, because actually in the north of the country the uh, the increase you know the north especially populated Ardennes region uh, the house pricing uh, houses increased by the, the same amount as in the city so that's quite that's quite a strong indicator I think and I guess that's a, a trend that'll continue really well. Let's see. Uh, it's always interesting to see that these real estate agencies put out these reports because they are—they're often more sharper it's, on the money than uh, than the official stats. I guess um, it's, it's slightly self-serving as well, though, isn't it, to put those out? That that too. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think the, the I don't, I'm not saying they're wrong. I don't think they are, but uh, there's always that. Yeah. And so uh, we, uh, I think it would be wise to probably look at the official stats when they come out and then see if that trend continues. But uh, mm-hmm. I think in general, yes, you will see that people start. To, I think there's there's going to be some trends in working from home that will stay. And I people think, not definitely. being in the city centre. Yeah. I think so, definitely, yes. Uh, a story about the EIB. Now, the EIB has been, we've, we've <coughs> touched on this story quite, quite a lot recently, but again, this is a, another sort of angle on it. So the EIB... Uh, European Investment Bank is to gauge staff's mental health after all of the negative media coverage that has been uh, going on there in the last couple of years. Yeah, it was interesting because you talked to uh, Emery last week about the EIB and we had this big piece about the revolving doors and how uh, the VIPs at the the bank... you know, often uh, often rise through national politics, then get a seat on board of the EIB, where they hand out loans to companies, and uh, quite a few of them uh, are after that landed cushy jobs. I'm not saying that that's necessarily unexpected because, you know, yeah, the senior people, the VIPs, they, people, they have yeah. a good network. So, uh, but it was we pointed that out, and then the when that story went on Thursday, on the Friday we got word that the um, EIB had put out an, an, an internal notice uh, that they would launch a a survey into mental health mm-hmm. because of negative coverage, and we felt like, well, surely that's not because of our story because we were writing about revolving doors. Although we did talk about the work culture a little bit. Uh, sure. But but anyway, we uh, we so we wrote that story on Friday that they were going to launch this survey. Obviously, there have been two suicides at the EIB, one in 2013, 
but that recently came uh, came in the news again because uh, there was a court case here in uh, in Luxembourg about it, and then there was another suicide in um, in uh, December uh, that we wrote about, um, but we still didn't quite get why they would put out that notice. And then on Monday, Bloomberg came out with a big story into the uh, a culture of fear. Um, largely based on those two suicides, so we think that that's probably the reason that they put out that that statement on Friday. Uh, um, yeah, I, I, I didn't think there was much news uh, on Monday because we knew about the two suicides. We've written about, uh, yeah, staff is unhappy there. Uh, if staff surveys show don't don't show good numbers for management, uh, how, how, people, how happy people are with management, so. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it was back in the news and uh, not in a good way. So, uh, AstraZeneca, the waitlist has opened and uh, everybody spent the last few days pressing F5 on their computers. And <laughs> Did you manage? Uh, well, I, I live across the border, so they told me no. <laughs> I, live, oh, I yeah. live in Germany. <laughs> so you're so, a hopeless case. So I have no chance. <laughs> no, so, um, sorry, we can't start and, and you? all these cross-border people. Uh, I'm old enough that I got a regular letter in the mail. Uh, oh, very good. That, uh, I'm getting my injection on Monday. Congrats. So. Um, thank you. Uh, yeah, AstraZeneca, I think that was a smart move. There were, uh, yesterday, 18,000 people had signed up for it, which I didn't think was all that much because they're injecting, uh, they're giving 6,000 people uh, a shot a day. Mm -hmm. So, in principle, they could do away with that in three days. And, of course, I know this is leftover vaccine, right? So, um, so this is 18,000 extra on top of those invited, is that right? Yes, I am assuming that that's the case. I'm assuming that if you go on that AstraZeneca waitlist, you're still also going to get your regular letter, unless, you know, whichever sure. comes first. Um, but it's, it's obviously good because young people or younger people can now, uh, can now uh, stand a bigger chance of, uh, of getting the vaccine as well. And that there will be another second waiting list for any vaccine that's left over at the end of the day. So if you're ready to sort of like you get an email, hey... You're ready to go. You can you're ready to go now, but it's, it's in one of the five vaccinations. So it may, may, may mean that you have to drive for an hour um, and then you can get that as well. And this one, the, AstraZeneca, the big one that opened is for AstraZeneca. The other one would be for all the different vaccines. We basically don't know what you're going to get. So this comes as uh, signs of the spread of the disease is actually slowing down? Somewhat. Uh, I, I looked at the numbers again. Uh, last week, the active infect infections dropped by uh, by 12%, but there's still around 3,000. So 3,000 3, 3, people are sick with the coronavirus at mm -hmm. the moment. And that's been kind of been stable for months now. Uh, uh, the new cases are kind of coming in at the same level every day. So there hasn't been a, a, a noted increase with the terraces being open with more people No, I guess you like can that. say that, yeah. that despite, you know, the easing of the measures, the disease is still not, it's not exploding, it's not going away either. Mm -hmm. I mean, so I, I can see why they still need to be, uh, need to be very cautious. Uh, and there was a press conference yesterday, was there any, any keynotes or anything that we should be taking from that? Uh, that was about schools. Yeah, I'm afraid I didn't pay, pay very close attention to that. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Uh, right, uh, there's some interesting <coughs> stories that were uh, sort of revolve around cronyism. I guess would be the the the, the link between these stories. Uh, Your words, not mine, Sam. Sure. Well, the headlines are: public bodies act arbitrarily too often. Say the ombudsman, who's busy at the moment, who also says uh, that, uh, who also looks at uh, vaccination queue jumping. Uh, the um, the uh, ombudsman was a really nice story, little story. Uh, I, I 
had never read that report, but uh, she uh, uh, this was the report for 2019 because of the corona crisis, everything was delayed. But she describes uh, almost a thousand cases of people who went to the government because they felt they had been treated harshly. And there was some, none of it's big stuff, but it's all like it's stuff like a you culture can of really... Well, no. This is just uh, uh, civil servants being uh, being being deaf to their to their to their own to the people they represent, right? So uh -huh. this this was a case about a guy. He was he wanted to build an extension to his house in his garden. It was that you, well, you don't need a building permit for that. And then he built the whole thing. And then they came and visited. You need to demolish that because you need a building permit uh -huh. for it. Uh, there was another case uh, of a couple that. Um, um, that had a had a house somewhere, and they they barely visited it. It was empty. The house was vacant, and they got a water bill that was uh, that was astronomical. And they said, "Well, it can't be because we've almost never been there." And then and the and the civil servants were like, "Well, computer says no. You know, you have to pay." Uh -huh. And so, and there was a third case that we described about a woman who would worked in uh, in Luxembourg. She was a Portuguese woman. Uh, she worked in Luxembourg, but then she had stopped working, and a doctor, and she had twins. Uh, it was actually quite a tragic case, and, and the doctor said, "Well, you know, you need to have those twins in Brussels." So her Luxembourg daughter sent her to a Brussels hospital because she thought it was better. She delivered the twins. One of the twins died, unfortunately. The other had Down syndrome, and then uh, the uh, CNS said, "Well, we're not going to cover your healthcare costs because you're in Brussels. You, you got the." And, and I was saying, "Well, that's what my doctor told me to do." So. Uh -huh. Uh, so it's that sort of cases, um, uh, not necessarily related to cronyism, but but clearly the sort of like you know autonomy of uh, of civil servants not listening, not not doing their uh, jobs with a lot of heart, just implementing the rules. So but it was lovely, ni nice little uh, human interest story almost, and a thousand cases. Uh, a year is not nothing. No, no. Uh, I got a text from one of our listeners. Ari says, uh, "Will the second waiting list be open for all ages? As he's still not eligible for the over thirty list." Uh, I can't say for sure, but I tend to believe that. Yes. Okay. Uh, some culture stories then, um, and some interesting ones to kind of look at. So one was uh, one was about how young people consume news, which is obviously uh, uh, interesting <laughs> for us. For for, for me, <laughs> <laughs> sure. I asked a freelancer to do that story because I wanted to know what she what she did, and she was. It was more. Uh, I thought I, I thought it was more of a column. It wasn't a scientific like I am going to have done this survey. Am yeah. I? 12,000 so young people. This is how people. I consume news. But it was just how she consumes news. But it's, it's, a, it's a good read. She's a good writer. And uh, she said, well, normally I just uh, click uh, click on YouTube and then I, I I Google two or three words and then I, I know. Is it is it 100% reliable? No, it's not. But I, I kind of roughly write most of the time. So mm -hmm. I thought it was a very refreshing approach because uh, obviously here in the media we spend a lot of time thinking about how to exactly word a story and can yeah. we do this with that source and is this ethical or not and then uh, of course the consumer they're like well I just google it and then it's fine well it's an interesting <laughs> conversation to have uh, just even why you did, why you uh you know, you pitched that story or why, why you commissioned that story. What, what was it that sort of got you thinking? Uh, uh, well, we, uh, well, media transitioning, you know, yeah. the, the days of print are long over. I, I, I haven't held a physical newspaper, I think, in 15 years or so, mm -hmm. even though I'm, I'm very much a newspaper person. Uh, and you just wonder, you know, how uh, maybe there are things out there that I've never heard of. Uh, mm -hmm. I know that a lot of people watch YouTube, uh, like these uh, clips of clips or people who have their own YouTube shows. And I'm sure. like, well, well, why do you trust that guy? Because it's just a person in a, in a room somewhere. And 
you have no idea. So uh, that's the sort of thing I, uh, I I asked her to to explore. Yeah. It'd be interesting. Even just uh, can can we get a quick straw survey for anyone wants to text in? Tell us where you get your news. Just uh, just generally. Yeah, that'd be is very, it, uh, is very interested to see that. Just a, a very quick text. Do you get it from? Is it Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, a dedicated news site uh, yes. or app or? Is it us or the Lux Times or, or where is it that you get it? Where yes, that'd be very. And, and, and obviously, all our stories go on Facebook, uh, but we yeah. can't uh, determine when and where they go on Facebook. So often people complain, well, that's an old story. Well, yes, we know, but that's not because of us. Because that's not when you publish that's it. That's the Facebook algorithm that shows you a story that's three days old. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it's interesting. Uh, and. Um, but for her, it was also very much about authenticity, you know. So young people, I suppose, sometimes feel that newspapers can be a bit stuffy or a bit um, like people. And she she actually cited Fran Leibovitz, uh, the New York uh, writer and, and critic and, uh, and and feminist, I suppose, uh, who, uh, who can be also very irreverential. And uh, I thought it was very refreshing that she... In a, in a story about how young people consume news, she... Uh, she quoted this 72-year-old lady. So, <laughs> uh, And the other story that uh, you were looking at was uh, about musicians and how COVID has basically well, wiped out what they do. Yeah, that was another uh, piece that uh, of one of our freelancers uh, who spoke to uh, three, uh, three bands of three musicians, mm-hmm. uh, obviously not being able to perform on stage for, uh, for well over a year now. Uh, one band called Seed to Tree, who explained how they normally go into, get into a room together, start making noise, and then somehow music comes out of it, and they could no longer do that because they had all had to do that mm-hmm. over Zoom, and that didn't really work. And then there was a singer called Se Karma or Karma Katina. Yeah, I'm way out of my depth here, as you can tell. <laughs> um, and she described that she she'd done a new album, and she was quite proud of that. And then uh, there was no party, there was no launch, there was no nothing. And it's yeah. like, well, it was just 12 new songs on Spotify. Great. <laughs> That's how she felt. Yeah, I mean, it's really interesting. It's something that keeps <coughs> coming up at the minute as things start to open and bands have the possibility to do outdoor shows and stuff like that. We're we're seeing. Uh, a load of bands releasing stuff just in the last couple of months All right, yeah. uh, that they've maybe recorded during the pandemic or during lockdown or else they were just about to and then held off on it and actually we had a, a text in uh, one of the first texts in we got this morning was saying that all of the festival lineups for 2022 are basically the festival lineups from 2019. <laughs> so, were there any new bands yeah. in the last two years? Yeah. Or if there are, do they have the opportunity to get on stage? Because all of those bookings that were made two years ago are still, yeah. you know, they, they're bought and paid for. So, like, the two-year-old bands still need to get up on stage. Uh, yeah. and, you know, so it's... Uh, but some of the musicians also described how they how they uh, use that period of isolation to, to come up with new ideas. And there's this, this singer-songwriter, Danny, Balthasar who said yeah. he initially struggled and then he found a cardboard box in his garage and sat inside it and I, I, when I read it I thought like that's that's a bit weird but when you see the photo it's actually more like a cubicle so <laughs> <laughs> it's not <laughs> he was crawling up in the box uh, and, uh, and he used that space to come up with uh, with, with some new songs that he's long he'd long wanted to complete so I think there's there may have been some creativity there as well yeah yeah for sure uh, a quick check at the text and some of the answers Uh, Reuters BBC News app says uh, Martin in terms of where they get their news Uh, another one says dedicated news sites I have 12 different subscriptions including Lux Times Ooh, uh, I like that another text. Uh, yeah, RV as well. RV says uh, I've got subscriptions to FT.com, Lux Times, uh, and The Economist, and I even check the BBC sometimes. 
That's, so, yeah. that's very encouraging. No, but it's good. It's good to, I mean, it's top <coughs> tip, look at a number of news sources when you're looking for stories. You know, this because is all, yeah, exactly. You can't trust one source. I, I read th- three or four different, and you, and, I, and you also, you need to read newspapers you disagree with. That's the best. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because um, if you only read stories that you already agree with, then... You're not being challenged. No, and and often you don't get the full picture, which I think is what happened for a, a, a lot of people in the last couple of years when they thought, for example, an election or elections were going to go one way and then all of a sudden we're blindsided by how it's gone another. Yeah. Uh, I think it's good to... Uh, that's that's a serious issue, though, for the media. If you if you completely failed to, rise the, to, to cover the rise of Trumpism, then you're definitely not speaking to the right people. That, yeah, that was a big flaw, I think, in the in the in the that, media. That's a really interesting and and a whole other discussion, really, about polling, which is uh, is happening now in the states because they've gotten it completely wrong, and in the UK as well, uh, ahead yeah. of Brexit and ahead of the last yeah. general elections. Um, whether it's shy, like shy Tories and shy Trumpists, and shy, you know people who are uh, who might have certain beliefs but don't want to express them to pollsters, or perhaps it's that the pollsters aren't reaching the people. Uh, who would vote a certain way or whatever? So it's a uh, it's. Well, uh, journalists tend to be progressive people and uh, have a left wing bias. I think that's mm-hmm. ge- a very general statement, but I think it's that's generally true. So. Well, perhaps aren't the loudest voices in the in the media either. So it's hard to know, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, it's a tough one. Anyway, yeah, check lots of sources and uh, and be skeptical. I think would That'd be uh, be exactly skeptical. my advice as well. Uh, right, Dowie. On that note, very good. Trust Lux Times and check it out. LuxTimes.it. If you only run your <laughs> Lux Times, then you're fine. <laughs> now we have a cracking day and a good See weekend. You. See you next Bye. time. Our city, your music, your Luxembourg.